A very warm welcome to this World Game Changers podcast, where your host, Paul D. Lowe, embraces many crucial conversations that compassionately contribute towards creating a better life and world. Paul's intention is very simple, to help get people's inspirational insights and motivational messages out into the world so others may benefit. Hello listeners and welcome back to this World Game Changers podcast episode where today returning guest Wayne Donnelly from sunny Australia and we're going to be doing the third in our mini-series of Change Your Mind, Change Your Life. Wayne, welcome back, sir. Ah, thanks for having me back, Paul. Must be doing a good thing. This is the third time. Yeah, and I said sunny Australia. Is it sunny in Australia at the moment? Ah, it's a mixture. There was, uh, today it's been sunny, cloudy, raining, blowing a gale, and it's uh, still a little bit cloudy, so we've had a bit of everything today. And I've got to ask you, Wayne, I mean, I'm not aware of um, Southern Hemisphere rivalries. I don't know how that pans out in your neck of the woods, but uh, at this moment in time, you've got a certain certain place called New Zealand that are in the World Cup Rugby semi-finals, no less. What's your thoughts about that as an Australian? Are you behind them or are they rivals? If we were playing against them, obviously they'd be rivals. If we're not playing against them, well, then they're our colleagues from uh, what we call across the ditch. Across the ditch? <laughs> okay. I'm just having a quick look to, uh, uh, yeah, Argentina. Mm, on Friday, semi-final. With all due respect, if I was a gambling man, um, I'd be putting my money on the um, on the Kiwis there. But anyway, we digress. I digress. Humble apologies if apologies are needed. Right. So Wayne, this this you know we've done a couple of episodes. Obviously, we've I think we've covered some fascinating ground on this. Hope you agree, listeners. Uh, Wayne, where do we go from here? You know, how do we kind of bring all this together? This change your mind, change your life. Where do we go with uh, this? Okay, I've got a great, a great. Uh, well, I think it's great. A uh, a metaphor that I was doing in a live presentation this morning, and I was listening recently to a guy called Neville Goddard. He's been gone for about fifty odd years now, uh, and he was he would often talk about the life we live. Is like a dream. And then we wake up and change and we go to a different dream. So the life we're living now is, is a life that we're in a dream, we're in a trance. And that trance is evidenced by the reality around us. So we've been brought up, uh, Bob Proctor used to call it paradigms. So we're brought up in a certain paradigm. We're, like if I was brought up in the UK, it would be slightly different from the life I was brought up in Australia. If I grew up in China, it would be a different reality again or in Africa or Afghanistan. Um, we have different realities in, the, in what we're brought up in. And the life we're living now is a reality. We think it's reality. And the perceptions we have and the belief systems we have. And then at times in life where 
hit with something which makes us question our current reality. And then we shift into a different reality, which is a different dream. And then we wake up and we go to a, a different dream again as we go through different things in life. Does that make sense, Paul? Mm, yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we go from one dream, dream or trance state. And if we're fortunate, we have things which wake us up out of that so we can advance or progress our life. Otherwise, we're, what do they say? The difference between a rut and a grave is the depth. Mm. So if we don't want to be stay in that rut where every day is Groundhog Day, we have something come up in our life which makes us ask questions about our beliefs and our current reality. Is this how life is supposed to be? Are we meant just to, like for many people in the area I grew up in, called Woi Woi, it'd be a, an hour and a half or two-hour commute into Sydney to a job. So people would be just get up, take the journey, come back, maybe spend three hours or more a day travelling to go to a job that maybe they like or don't like so that they can pay the bills. Mm. And they don't see their family. I remember back in the 80s when I was commuting, I would not see my kids like when they were babies because they were in bed. I'd mainly see them either during the middle of the night when they wake up for a feed or on the weekends. And is that life? Is that mm -hmm. how life's supposed to be, to go to work and pay the bills? So you question it and you come into a new reality. When I started my own... My own business at that time I was an accountant and so I started an accountancy practice and that was a different reality again, being self-employed instead of employed and commuting down to the city. And then different things have occurred since then and I ended up becoming a hypnotherapist and a coach and someone who changes lives because of what I've been through and what I've experienced and what I've learned. Mm, fascinating fascinating so in and you, terms you can, i know you can relate to this because of the experiences that you've had and you woke up and now you're in a different a different life a different reality again mm. yeah tom almost speaks to me um and i love this approach a bit engineering sort of the old kaizen approach of continuous improvement yeah you know, um, I really love that, the Japanese Kaizen approach, yeah. Um, so, but in terms of changing your mind then, Wayne, is that externals actually presenting to change our mind for us or do we consciously change our mind the other way based on our perceived external reality? Wow, we're digging deep here, Paul. <laughs> it's the last one. We may as well finish in style. Yeah, I think it's a combination because awareness precedes a change in behaviour. Hmm. And once we get the awareness, now is that awareness, that awakening, is that internal or external? It depends. You might just wake up one morning and say, is this all there is? And so you ask yourself the question and then you start looking for the answers and you can use your conscious mind to create change in your unconscious because you're deliberately doing it and that's from awareness and experience 
or you could have something change your life. I've had a couple of these experiences. I remember it when I was 15, I got crash tackled playing or practicing uh, a training game for rugby league. And I got crash tackled, uh, fell on the back of my head, got blood clots, was going to die or be a vegetable at best. And I spent four or five months in uh, a major Sydney hospital and somehow recovered. And then uh, I wasn't allowed to play contact sport again. But I was supposed to have um, bits of my skull taken off and replaced with uh, titanium and shunts and all this sort of stuff, and none of that happened. I think God's hand was on me, if you like. Uh, but that created awarenesses because I could have stayed in that space and growing up in the area I grew up, I could have just kept playing rugby league, uh, drinking beer, voting Labor. Uh, uh, <laughs> so... Yeah, that's, um, yeah, I think that's a rough description, you know, because a lot of guys playing rugby league would grow up and they'd be uh, drinkers, gamblers, uh, living that sort of life. So it was like I hit a crossroads and I could have gone down that path or I could have um, grow, go, on, go on a path of growth, which is what I chose. Uh, so I went and did Transcendental Meditation and various other things following on from that at a very early age. Um, so it was, it was like I was picked up and redirected because I didn't choose to get knocked out and get amnesia and have blood clots on my brain and all sorts of other things. That's not something I would consciously choose. So that happened and that created change for me. And I went, um, when I was 37, I went to an Anthony Robbins event and introduced to the, more of the NLP and behavioural change concepts, did his Unleash the Power within weekend, a little bit after that. So, oh, no, I was 36, and did the firewalk. And that's a, a mind-blowing experience that you could walk across hot coals which are 12 or 1300 degrees or whatever and you could look back and say well that doesn't make sense i just walked across hot coals and didn't feel anything and then a, a few years later uh when i was questioning a lot of things because i've been through divorce and bankruptcy and so on and when i was 40 45 uh, I went through that major spinal surgery that I talked about in the first episode. And, you know, I was supposed to be a paraplegic. The operation went well. I wasn't a paraplegic, but I hit the painkillers and alcohol, went to jump off a cliff and got referred to a guy who did what I do now. And that just changed me again. Then when my future was freed up, uh, in the GFC, December 2008, that changed me again. And I went and did these studies. So, And then since I've done my studies in behavioural change, like hypnosis and neurolinguistic programming, I've continued to to grow and, and, and facilitate the changes consciously. 
So it's for me, it's been quite a mixture. Mm. Wow. I want to throw in a real left field curveball here, Wayne. At me or at the audience in general? <laughs> a real left field curveball. I want to throw in two. The first go one. ahead. No, <laughs> let me get my bat out. <laughs> the first one, when we talk about kind of internal stroke external influence, I just wonder, Wayne, in terms of an external influence, um, you can call it the universe. You've mentioned Bob Proctor there. Um, you can call it the universe. You can call it spirit. You can call it God. You can call it yeah. what, whatever uh, source. Um, how much that influences our thought process? You know, so if we are, and I use this term very loosely, listeners, inverted commas, full of spirit, we're guided by spirit, is the mind then something, a mechanism, a conduit that conducts us in as a certain way rather than, you know, an ego-driven mind? I am not God. Uh, that's interesting because some people would say that we are an expression of source or universal God mm. experiencing this reality so we can so that the intangible can have a tangible experience mm. it's really going going down deep so are we the analogy some people would say we're not a drop in the ocean we're the ocean in a drop Rumi I love that quote yeah, yeah. Very, very powerful. And yeah. so is everything one and we are part of an incredibly limitless one, which is the ocean in a drop? Mm. Are we everything in, in our own body? And yet we're all one, which is why um, if we're going for the we are, everything is one, which then you jump into Ho'oponopono mm. and, and go down that path where, I'm sorry, forgive me, thank you, I love you. Not as a, as a mantra, but I know when I do that work with people, it's an experience of healing both within and also uh, for others. So look, I'm not... I haven't got an answer for that question, but I think it goes very, very deep. And it's also the type of question which could open awareness and awakening to there is more than just this body. Like if I lose a finger, I'm still Wayne. If I lose a leg, I'm still Wayne. But who is Wayne? Mm. What what this speaks to for me, Wayne, when you when we talk about infinite uh, open spaces and you know connected as one and we are one, is is essentially consciousness. Mm. This just vast, vast, well, literally infinite space, and we are part of that. We're every single you know being, whether it's fauna, flora, human, whatever it is, 
Um, and from a personal point of view, it's certainly something that I'm becoming more aware of uh, within my own journey of, of discovery. You know, who I can remember going a few years ago, maybe about six years ago now, to the States to see Deepak Chopra. And, you know, the first question that was asked is, who am I? And the reality is for me, you know, and of course, you know, as we have this kind of, and I'm going to go sort of use modern day terminology for some people, the 3D, 5D dance, and maybe above 5D as well. Um, I'm not particularly keen on that terminology personally, but I use that because I know a lot of people kind of can relate to it. Uh, mm. And that's fine. So, you know, words are our vehicles or our tools to communicate, aren't they? Um, but that kind of 3D reality of, oh, it's raining and my car's broke down and the kids are playing me up and the gas bill's just come and my client's not paid me, so I'm down on my finances, you know, oh, woe is me, poor old me, blah, blah, blah. That kind of thing in the 3D harsh reality versus the 5D and above of, but we're infinite. And with faith, and there's another word, it will sort itself out. And invariably does, but we get bogged down, don't we, Wayne? We get bogged down as humans. Well, I th I would suggest that that's reflecting our level of learning. Mm. So we'll touch first on one thing, which you were talking about consciousness. When I work with people, we've got three aspects that we're dealing with. We're dealing with the conscious mind which is that 3D reality. We see it, we hear it, we, we feel it. And if we haven't got a great degree of uh, self-awareness or learning, we can let those external circumstances control our internal state. That's a conscious mind. We go to the subconscious or unconscious mind. And so that's the programs that are running within us from our breathing, our heart rate, as well as all the programs for who we who we might think we are, that, that identity, that self-image in various parts of our lives. Then we, if we want to go deeper, and when I'm working with a client in the hypnosis, I'll ask them various questions uh, if I'm getting ideometer signals. So I ask the unconscious to respond while the person is in trance. So it could be uh, we might set up yes/no signals, uh, which might be a movement of the hand, or but I'm asking the unconscious to do it to show me a signal for yes or for no. And when I ask the unconscious mind, can it find the blueprint, a solution to this problem? It says no. I'll ask it, can you go to the universal consciousness? that which is limitless, that which is beyond understanding. Can it go out and find a solution out there somewhere and bring it back to the unconscious so it can then bring it back to the conscious? So that's um, one aspect of this. And then if we go to the learning side, like when we grow up and people say the sort of thing, which is the saying is one of my pet peeves, it is what it is. And my, and my response is, why? Why mm. can't we use our mind and go in to create our reality 
regardless of what circumstances are around us. Mm. Like he could be broke, he could be in health, he could be in um, not in relationship but would like to be or vice versa. By tapping into our unconscious and maybe the universal conscious, we can create the reality that we would like to have rather than rather than say look um i'm growing up in some sort of impoverished area with bad health and with no friends or contacts and regardless of all that we can use the mind to create that which we we wish wish to be in mm. just going back wayne to the uh the the quote from Rumi about the ocean, what you've just said there, actually, just to continue that Rumi uh, approach, um, it's a bit like, so we're rowing a boat, uh, and I know this, I can't remember the originator of this quote, but we're, you know, we're in a boat, and there's kind of choppy waters outside that could sink us, but it's not the external choppy waters, it's the water that gets into the boat. In other yeah. words, if those externals permeate us in our mind and we kind of give up and we get submerged by oh woe is me you know the examples i used earlier on that's it's the hole in the boat that penetrates our yeah. our in in our inner sanctum isn't it and that's for me the power of the mind yeah that's a beautiful analogy i love it mm, thank you so yeah, I mean, th this is fascinating stuff. And I think, you know, this then brings in, Wayne, does it not something that I'm, I'm a massive, massive advocate of this in terms of how we're going to change our lives? You know, people say, well, give us the silver bullet then. Well, there isn't one silver bullet, but I tell you one that's got a, you know, a metaphoric bullet that's really got a polish to it, whether it's uh, silver or gold or whatever colour it is. And it's it's encapsulated in the words you know, the stories we tell ourselves are massive on that because we do have a choice. We really do have a choice. And that can yeah. be really difficult to embrace, you know, and I'm going to speak about my own experience in a former life where I was bottom of the bar barrel, I was drinking, I was, you know, I'd just given up. And then so to look in the mirror and do the mirror exercise uh, and I can never, I can never, I've, I've done the courses on Ho-Po-Po-Po-Po-Po-Pono. <laughs> I can never oh, pronounce it. Ho-Po-Po-Po-Po-Po-No. Right, okay. I'll, I'll take your word for it, Wayne. Uh, yeah, that, that thing that Wayne's just said. <laughs> um, yeah, delegation's a wonderful thing. Um, but that, you know, that mirror technique, because I know that's part of that, if memory serves. But So this whole thing to look in the mirror and tell that person what a beautiful soul they're in can be very challenging when, you know, you've oh. come off the, the, the end of a massive sort of three-week bender and, you know, you just you feel like death warmed up and, you know, and all the, all the script that goes with that. We don't want to kind of go too much into that negative energy, but it can be difficult. But if we can find that strength somewhere, and this way is for where, where awareness comes in, because once we've stretched our, our perception of reality and knowing that that somewhere, despite what external circumstances are, that's a tool that we can use. That's mm. a tool that we can use. And I think once you've been there and that elastic band's at the risk of splitting metaphor has been stretched, you can always pull back on it. It's a very powerful one. The stories we tell ourselves. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Here's, here's another way to do it. When you tell a story, and this is a self-awareness exercise as well, so for those watching, you can do this. Now, watch yourself. Start Probably start watching other people tell their story and be aware of how they use their body language. So I'm, I'm using my left hand to tell this story. Mm. And be aware of where their eyes go. So you look at, because this is reflecting the internal wiring, the neurological pathways that are connected with the story. So quite often what I'll do with, with people to help them create the self-awareness is say, did you realise that while you were telling that story, you were just using your left hand at this height in a particular way? Maybe the fist was clenched or open or lifted up or whatever. And when you're telling the story, uh, if the eyes go up, you're going into a picture. If you're going sideways, you're listening to something. Or if you're looking down, it could be feelings or thinking. So they're telling the story. And so what I'll get them to do is say, look, uh, and whatever the story of woe is, I say, well, put that hand on your head and try to tell the story with the other hand. And if they've been looking down, I'll get them to look up. If they've been looking up, I'll get them to look sideways or down. So now tell me the story with the other hand. While you're looking in a different direction, face at me, look up those eyes now to a different direction and try to tell the story with the other hand. And quite often they can't because the wiring was over here in the left hand and maybe looking down or wherever it is. Mm -hmm. And when they try to tell the story, they realise, well, wait a minute, that's that's a pathway. Mm. And so, and then if they can still sort of tell the story, I'll get them to sing it to me to the tune of Happy Birthday. So we're creating overwhelm to interrupt the pattern. And if they can still do it, I'll say, well, okay, look, sing it to me to the tune of Happy Birthday, but in reverse. Mm. So the hands on the head, they're using the other hand, they're looking in a different direction. So you're trying to engage so many things that it just shatters the the yeah. old pathway. Yeah. Which you'd probably be familiar with that yeah. through your training. Yeah, I can remember Robin's introducing that and uh, preceding his, uh, I think, quite famous quote, confusion comes before a breakthrough. Yeah, well, confusion's the gateway to hypnosis because mm. uh, people get so confused, they rather than try to think about it, their conscious mind goes blank and it opens up the doorway to the unconscious mind which is why the handshake induction works so well because we can get you familiar with that. No. I don't know if the listeners are. Well, if you want to do a rapid induction and drop people into a trance, you want to create a state of confusion. So if you reach out with your hand to shake someone else's hand, it's, someone reaches their hand out to you, in our culture, it's almost automatic to respond, to shake their hand. Mm. What you do is they reach out, you grab their hand, say, look at the hand, look at the lines, bang, sleep. And 95% of people will respond by dropping into sleep because they're unconscious. Here's a conditioned pattern. You're breaking the pattern. And when you break the pattern, the conscious mind goes, I don't know what to do. And the unconscious says, what do you want me to do? And it's sleep, bang. And you can drop them into an immediate, um, immediate trance. Wow, fascinating.
Yeah, if you Google handshake, handshake inductions or do a YouTube search, there's a lot of people uh, do it. I think uh, Richard Bandler might have made it quite famous in NLP, which he would have learned from Ericsson. Hmm. The other curveball, just by way of finishing off, Wayne, on this. Uh, the thing is with these listeners, I hope you really do kind of share this view, but I love this kind of conversation uh, that Wayne and I are having because we're all over the place. I mean, talk about confusion. We're all over the place. I think it's brilliant because we whistle stop here, there and everywhere. And for me, that's the epitome of life because isn't it true, Wayne, that we as humans, we have to be seen in our own mind to be, and look at my left hand, look at my left hand. Um, we have to be seen to, to try and create this story that's nice and linear, nice and neat and tidy, to keep, a, keep us within our own comfort, our own level of understanding, whatever that may be. But what I love about these conversations that we're having, we're kind of, in many respects, we're all over the place. I love that because that's well, a reflection of the reality of life. Yeah, well, in one respect, we want to create certainty mm. because that gives, uh, that's why we have habits, mm. because then the brain doesn't have to burn energy trying to figure stuff out. Like if you remember when you first learned to drive, uh, you were using a lot of energy to focus and concentrate to learn how to drive. And then after a while, it's habituated. So then the brain doesn't have to expend energy on thinking. But then we need that uncertainty to create change. Mm. Otherwise, we're just stuck in a rut. Absolutely. Everything I think we've spoken about thus far, Wayne, not everything, but the vast majority of what we've spoken about, very loosely, in my humble opinion, can be lumped under the banner of emotional intelligence, EI. And, that, and I say very, very loosely because I want to give that some context. I've, um, in the process of, of releasing a book at the moment with some amazing co-authors called EI and AI Through the Eyes of the Recycled Teenager. Mm. And it's giving a lot of perspectives, Wayne, on this phenomenon called AI, artificial intelligence. And, you know, when we talk, everything that we've spoken about thus far, as I say, I mean, maybe you disagree, maybe you don't think, well, you know, it's a real stretch to lump it under AI, emotional intelligence. Um, but, you know, that's a separate, we could probably do a podcast episode alone on that one one aspect. Oh, I don't think one episode would be enough. <laughs> I mean, we'd probably go further and call it enlightenment. Mm. But uh, I suppose where I'm leading with this, Wayne, more more significantly is what's your thoughts on our AI, artificial intelligence? If we'd have started off on the first episode with, you know, with the, the guidance of, right, we're going to, you know, change your mind, change your life, but we really must come at this from a perspective of artificial intelligence. It'd be a completely different conversation, would it not? Well, then you'd have probably prepared the questions and answers using ChatGPT. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, um, I find that I, I think it's an awesome tool, but as a guide, as a guide. Well, look, it's like any tool. Like, what was the old saying? With electricity, you can either cook the food or cook the person. Mm. And, you know, you could use a gun to either hunt for food or kill people. Mm. 
So it's up to the operator to decide how they're going to use it. So I think with with AI, so long you have to learn to ask better questions. You have to learn to put it in context of what you're going to produce. You might even specify the outcome that you would like to achieve so you can create whatever it is you're going to create. So you just have to learn how to use this new tool. So going back to a, just by way of a final conclusion then, on, on certainly on this particular thread, Wayne, going back to that analogy that was used earlier on around the boat and the hole, um, hole in the boat, the external waters, maybe, maybe um, AI is the potential stormy water outside and we are the rower that's inside the boat and we have a choice how fast we're going to row, which direction we're going to row. Yes, that is going to be influenced to a certain degree by the externals because the way AI is taking over is, is just it's breathtaking. So I don't mm. think we're going to be able to have a free row in life's potential stormy waters, but we're still going to have a massive say of, no, that's the direction I'm going and this is how I intend to row. Any, any final thoughts, Wayne? Yeah, who programs the uh, the AI? Is the AI prejudiced because of the human input that went into it? Uh, I had this discussion earlier today. It's really, really interesting. And because it's a human creation, uh, it will still pale Again, so long as we utilize our tapping into the universal consciousness, AI will will pale in comparison to us tapping into universal consciousness. If we don't, then there's that risk of AI overwhelming or overcoming what we can do consciously or in the 3D world. Mm. And we there's when you look back at inspiration from the past, like you think of Einstein, Tesla, and various others, they would take time to sit in the quiet and in the darkness to get the inspiration and the problem solving because they can tap into that oneness or allness, that universal field to draw upon for their creation, which would far outpace and exceed whatever artificial intelligence can do. It's mm. my, my humble perspective on that. Well, there we have it, listeners. So, Wayne, by way of, of the final conclusion, whether it's relating to episode one, two or three, any concluding thoughts around anything at all around this fascinating dance that's uh, unfolded between us? Hey, if you want to change your life, it's your responsibility to find a way to change what's happening here, well, metaphorically here, uh, in your mind so you can create that change. You are some people say co-creator. I think you are the creator of your reality. And once you realise that, it's your responsibility to create the change you want. 
love that. And what I find with these, you know, I've done this many times with, with guests, but how such a big question, because that is, you know, on the surface of it, a big question, particularly covering three episodes where we've danced all over the place and touched on so many fascinating, uh, diverse aspects. But what I really love about answers like that, Wayne, is um, how people can really answer such a potentially massive, massive, massive question in just a few simple words. And that simplicity speaks volumes. Wayne, thank you very much indeed, sir. Thank you so much for having me, Paul. I loved it. And um, so there you have it, listeners. You'll make your own mind up. And, um, and whether that changes your life, well, that's to use a Wayneism. That's your responsibility. And I'm going to sign off there, by the way, I always do by saying, remember, the world's changing. How will you respond? Thanks very much for listening to this World Game Changers podcast episode. Hopefully you found it interesting and helpful. Drop a line to paul at worldgamechangers.org with any thoughts or questions you may have, and he'll be more than happy to respond. Remember, the world's changing. How will you respond?